Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... There is an assumption that if they were to consider employing a refugee, they would need to go through the whole sponsorship process. But every refugee who arrives on a humanitarian migrant visa actually has permanent residence. So they have every entitlement to every other Australian resident. So that is actually not a barrier at all. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 300 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today we're speaking with Carmen Garcia, CEO and founder of national award-winning diversity and inclusion certified social enterprise, Community Corporate, operating in the niche space of corporate social responsibility. They specialize in recruitment with a social conscience. In 2020, Community Corporate won National Social Enterprise of the Year at the Australian Small Business Champions Awards and is the Australian preferred implementation partner for the Tent Partnership for Refugees, Global Business Coalition. Fondly known by her peers as the diversity and inclusion warrior, Carmen is a well-regarded social entrepreneur, driven to make a profound economic and social impact through work. In 2021, Carmen received the Women in Innovation Award for Social Impact, among other accolades for leading practice innovation in diversity and inclusion. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing why all entrepreneurs should strive to diversify their workplace environment and the South Australian social enterprises space rapid development. Carmen, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, India. Great to be here. So to start off, could you please share a bit about your background and then what led to your interest and work in social enterprise diversity and inclusion? I think this is really not what I do. It's really who I am now. And that's because I was raised with really strong values. Volunteering has been part of my life since I was about 14 years old. So the importance of community, the message my grandfather always said to me was to whom much is given, much is expected. Community life, creating an impact, thinking about others are just the values I've always been raised with. My mum's a migrant from the Philippines. And when she came to Australia, she was a qualified practicing lawyer. Then, like most migrants, she faced the similar challenge that her qualifications weren't recognised. And through that lived experience, I really witnessed how important work was to human dignity. And I think that really underpinned my career and passion for helping people really find their purpose and doing something that they love. In my career, I've, I've had the benefit of working in private um, public and community sectors and really saw that they just didn't speak the same language. With that focus on multiculturalism and the disconnect between communities and corporates who shared similar aspirations for a better world but didn't know how to connect, that's really where my interest came together to design something that would add value and also solve a problem, which I believe is the unemployment issue that we're facing, particularly for migrants and refugees. 
wow, yeah, really broad background that you have there and across a bunch of different spaces as well, which would have been really interesting to merge into the sector with that experience. Now you're the CEO and Managing Director of Community Corporate. So can you tell us a bit more about the organisation and its purpose? Community Corporate is a certified social enterprise based here in Adelaide, but we operate nationally. Ultimately, our goal is to help refugees into work. I don't know if you know that the Australian Institute of Family Studies said only 6% of refugees are in work after six months in Australia. And after two years, it's still only about 25% of refugees that are working. To me, that's completely unacceptable. And my team at Community Corporate, of which there are now 14 of us, share the same ambition for people to live their purpose and find passion through work. That's really the goal or the problem that we're trying to solve. And the way we do that is we find corporate champions who are ultimately our customers or clients to partner with us and challenge traditional recruitment processes so they can really unleash the potential of refugees. As I mentioned in Mum's story, their skills and recognition from overseas is often not recognised. And there is unconscious bias well and truly alive in many workplaces still, regardless of the efforts of inclusion. What we try and do is really challenge the way we recruit and really look at that hiring for attitude, giving refugees opportunity to demonstrate their capability and skills on the job in the way that employers assess. During COVID, because of obviously the jobs crisis impact for all, we were engaged by our employers to really start focusing on other diversity cohorts like mature age women returning to work, young people, particularly vulnerable young people, as well as migrants and people with disability. Refugees are always a priority and my passion, but definitely we've seen the applicability of our model and the intensive coaching support that we can really help build that confidence and tap into the resilience of diversity cohorts to support them into a job pathway. Wow, I had no idea about the employment rates being so low for refugees. That's a really interesting point that you've made there. And it's really amazing the work that you do with community corporate. And if you're speaking about creating those diverse and inclusive workspaces, what are the benefits that are created by managers bringing diverse individuals into their organisations? It's really interesting. A lot of the employers and corporates that we speak to, there's still a lot of myths we need to bust when it comes to migrants and refugees. There is an assumption that if they were to consider employing a refugee, they would need to go through the whole sponsorship process. But every refugee who arrives on a humanitarian migrant visa actually has permanent residence. So they have every entitlement to every other Australian resident. So that is actually not a barrier at all. When you work through those kind of perceptions of what the challenge might be and obviously English is one of the key barriers that many employers face and they're open to seeing the benefits and talents that they can unleash with refugees what we're seeing the results are is that there is a genuine high retention rate our retention rate nationally for refugees is over 90 percent at 12 months in work and this is from anywhere from entry-level jobs at Woolworths to IT finance corporate jobs in different corporate employers, professional streams as well. What we really feel, I guess, the business case to to workplaces is there is a huge asset amongst refugees that have not been considered because they're not getting through a digital online recruitment process. Being able to really meet the refugees and assess their competence and skills and the values that they could bring to your organisation is worth the extra effort. The return on investment is definitely there and it's just encouraging employers to challenge the way they recruit traditionally to ensure that unconscious bias doesn't creep in and we lose 
capturing some amazing talent and skills amongst refugees. That's a really sweet of just excellent points that you've just made there. Thank you so much for sharing that with our audience, Carmen. And in addition to your work with Community Corporate, you're also a board member of the South Australian Social Enterprise Council. So where are you seeing opportunities for South Australian entrepreneurs to create positive social change in the future? I am a proud South Australian, born and raised here. And I always say we used to be the pioneers of progress. We were the social innovators here in Adelaide. And at some point in time, we just stopped really taking the risk. I think that there's a really exciting opportunity now to grow the market, to build awareness. There are some amazing champions who just happen to be female founders, social entrepreneurs, <laughs> who are really leading the way and opening up a dialogue that doing good and doing business don't have to be mutually exclusive and that there are benefits for all. I definitely think the exciting thing for SaySex Board at the moment is really looking at raising that awareness and building a market not only to support the social entrepreneurs and social enterprises sell their services and products through a better social procurement framework, but it's also about preparing customers, employers, governments, and people that can actually understand the reciprocal benefits in buying social and buying for good. That's a really big opportunity there to just grow that space in general. It's going to be fantastic to see SASEC grow that in the next few years. And if you could give your advice for a social innovator or someone in South Australia or even more broadly, what advice would you give to someone who wants to spark change in their own workplace and challenge the old practices and the norms that have been established? My best advice is it's really about starting a conversation. As I mentioned earlier, just busting some of those myths that are completely untrue. People don't know what they don't know. And there's often just the fear of the unknown. When you think about social innovation or diversity and inclusion, it's just about thinking what skills, if you looked around your workplace now, how many people are actually from a diverse background? Imagine if you actually purposefully went and tried to engage and explore opportunities with them. What talent and potential could, could that open up? One of the other services that we do at Community Corporate is we curate corporate volunteering for companies. And that's really focused on skills. For a tech company, for example, they might run a masterclass on coding or JavaScript for refugees is a bit of an introduction, but it gives the Australian professionals an opportunity to share their skills and talent with newest arrivals and also builds up their personal stories and understanding to see they're just like us. They have the same aspiration for themselves, their careers, their families. They just don't have the social connections. And I think if we start having these really honest and open conversations, we're going to understand that more. We're going to be really open-minded and, and open the doors for opportunities for them. What's been really interesting for me, and you know, I am a bit of an opportunist in the to be really honest, but COVID presented a great narrative for people to really understand the plight of refugees. No one chooses to be a refugee. No one chooses crisis. No one could have predicted this global pandemic of COVID, but we've had to deal with it. And it's affected people in different ways. Many lost their job. They found themselves in housing stress, financial stress, and it wasn't their fault. This is exactly the situation of refugees and what they're facing, being forced to flee. And I think trying to have these conversations has really opened up mainstream Australia to understand the truth is no one chooses crisis and no one chose to be a refugee. 
that's a really great parallel to draw there and it, it makes an excellent point and it's a huge really great reason why community corporate exists and why we're trying to bring greater diversity into the workplace so it's just fantastic for you to say that Carmen so we're moving into the end of the interview now we've only got two questions left the first one I'd like to ask is what other organizations do you believe are creating a strong social impact there's so many emerging exciting social enterprises mm -hmm probably too many to mention, but I do have a real strong admiration for Louise Nobes, who's the founder of 42 Adelaide, which is a global tech model helping vulnerable people acquire the digital skills that we need for transformation in Australia. She's doing such an amazing job and I'm really excited to, to work with her around opening up digital skills for refugees. The word organisations is broad India, so I'm going to interpret here. I think corporations and companies really need to get a bit of credit in terms of their proactiveness around generating and creating opportunities for social impact. Mm. We've been working with Woolworths Group for over five years. We've helped over 200 refugees into their business, but it's well beyond jobs. It's about sustainability and purpose. It's genuine welcome and belonging. We've seen through commitments like companies such as Woolworths that we're, we're impacting generational change. Parents are referring, their children are referring their aunties or cousins, and people really believe it can be possible. You see it, believe it, that whole, that whole series. The role of corporate Australia, other partners we're working with, with such as IKEA, Accenture, ServiceNow, Engineers Australia, they're all stepping up and finding ways that they can contribute to addressing this unemployment barrier that many refugees are facing. And I think that just being open to those conversations and challenging the way we look at credentialing, for example, with engineering is so important. Their leadership is so critical to social impact and we really can't do it without them. That's why the narrative of social procurement and social impact investing, I think, is really timely that as passionate and committed as we are as, as social entrepreneurs and driving this social impact, we need corporates to be on board. We need governments to recognise the immense amounts of welfare savings and risk that we are intervening on their behalf by addressing some of the greatest vulnerabilities in society. I completely agree with that point, Carmen. That's, yeah, an excellent point to be made. To finish off now, now that you've talked about all of those organisations, so books and resources, are there any that you could recommend to our listeners? Oh, India, look, I haven't honestly been doing that much reading in, in recent times. It's been quite a lot of doing in our risk management strategy to COVID. I definitely love a book that I'd recommend to any female founder by Randy Zuckerberg, which is a pick three. It really helps women, particularly, I think, women and mothers like myself, find balance and comfort in, in not having to live under a blanket of guilt when you are so passionate about what you do, as most social entrepreneurs are. It's really a 24 Seven gig. That's definitely something I recommend to all our female listeners. But if I may, Inyo, the reason I haven't been reading too much is I've actually co-authored a book called Social Impact Investing from an Australian Perspective oh, with wow. um, Professor Stuart Jones, yeah, and Helena DeAnsis, who's a, a great friend of mine. This is really about looking at a number of innovative strategies and some pragmatic policy initiatives that can help the social impact investment market in Australia flourish that looks at how we build investor confidence so that social impact investing can actually be part of mainstream investments. It does mean there's a bit of a pitch in there to government because they clearly have a role to play, not only from a regulatory perspective, but as an active purchaser of social outcomes. And they should be leading the social procurement agenda. We do see this in many 
states. And we're hoping with a South Australian election coming up that this new or current state government will also step up to the plate and recognise the benefits for our state in investing in social procurements. It's just actually been published by Routledge this year, 2022. But um, if people look it up, Social Impact Investing and Australian Perspective. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. It sounds like a fantastic resource for anyone looking at journeying or taking that big step into the social impact space. So it's great that you've created that there. And all those books, resources, organizations that you mentioned throughout our interview, they'll all be linked in at the end of the article. So if people have read through the article or listened to our chat that we just had, they'll be able to click on through to all of those, check them out and just find great value in all of that. That brings us to the end of our interview, Carmen. I just want to say on behalf of Impact Boom, thank you you so much for making the time to come and talk to me today and share your really valuable insights. It's great the work that you're doing with Community Corporate and so many of those observations that you've made in that diversity and inclusion space are just absolutely crucial. And I think that including myself, anyone who's been listening will be able to find huge value in that. So thank you for making the time and good luck in the future with Community Corporate. We can't wait to see what you do. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.